Hello everyone, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Oliver Kinner. And this is Brainwaves episode 120, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 1st of May 2023. Wizards saddles up with the Pinkertons. Hasbro and Mattel assemble. Hasbro's finances get the magic touch. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. In the 1850s in America, a security guard and detective agency was created by Scottish-born Cooper Alan Pinkerton. Throughout the history of the United States, they have been an equally idolized and vilified organization. Mostly the latter due to their frequent involvement in the union-breaking action on the side of the breakers. Now you would be forgiven for thinking that the Pinkertons is an anachronism consigned to the annals of history. However, they are still very much around and are currently a subsidiary of Securitas AB, a Swedish-based security services company. Well, what's this got to do with tabletop games, I hear you ask? Well, Wizards of the Coast sent the Pinkertons after a YouTube channel for revealing the next expansion to Magic the Gathering a couple of weeks early. This was first reported on the YouTube channel Old School MTG by the owner of that channel, Dan Cannon, and then later picked up by io9 and Gizmodo, where Linda Cadega, who joined us on our ODL special, reported on the incident. Dan had got his hands on the Magic the Gathering set March of the Machine Aftermath. This isn't due out until May, and on a video on his channel, he revealed about 75% of the limited set. Within a week, there was a knock at Dan's door one morning, and representatives from the Pinkertons were on the other side of it. Linda Cadega io9 talked to Dan by email. He said, As soon as my wife answered the door, they aggressively asked for me by full name, announced themselves as the Pinkerton Agency, which I'm very familiar with their reputation and said they were there to recover stolen goods. Dan goes on to say that they were initially very forceful, making their way into his house. He got them back outside, and they eventually backed down on the aggressive rhetoric. They claimed he was in receipt of stolen property throughout, they claimed copyright infringement, and went on to say that Dan could face up to 10 years in jail, and that there might be up to $200,000 in fines and legal fees. Dan said the treatment by the Pinkertons made his wife cry. While the Pinkertons were present, Dan had a conversation by phone with a representative of Wizards of the Coast, where he agreed to return the product and was told he would be compensated with replacement product being sent out to him. Wizards said in response that they strongly refused this depiction of events, which contradicts both the report from the investigation as well as the conversation between the individual and the Wizards of the Coast representative after the interaction in question. The company also stated that under no circumstances would we instruct any employee or contracted agency to intimidate an individual. Cannon says he was not aware of any embargo on revealing these particular cards and believes he managed to obtain them through a distribution error, where this expansion was sent out rather than the previous one, which was simply called March of the Machines. Now, Linda went a little further in their reporting on io9. According to sources inside Wizards, back in 2017, the Pinkertons were sent out to investigate the theft of a sheet of foil cards from the then next big expansion, Exalon. I hope I pronounced that correctly. At the time, Wizards were transparent about the nature of the theft, saying that in order to retrieve stolen property, they worked. With a number of groups and individuals, including private investigators, investigators who specialized in supply chains, cybersecurity experts, and local law enforcement. Linda goes on to make another connection between Wizards and the Pinkertons. Robin M. Klimek, who is the current Director of Security and Risk Management at Hasbro, used to be the Director of Supply Chain Security Practice at Pinkerton Consulting and Investigations. 
The current manager of Global Investigations is also a former Pinkerton agent. Now, wow. I th- the reaction across most of the tabletop gaming community was, the Pinkertons still exist? What? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they do still exist. And this seems like an absolutely massive overreaction to something that was leaked, okay, a couple of weeks early, and yes, Wizards are going to w- want to find out exactly how that happened. Of course they are. They, they don't want their product to leak out early. I can totally understand that side of it. But a massive overreaction from a company that is still in the throes of having the community being a bit angry with it over the OGL debacle at the start of the year. Did yeah. no one think about this? <laughs> I mean, absolutely astonishing. Don't you normally just send like a cease and desist letter or something like that through the yes, it's, it's Send a cease and desist. around someone's house. I mean, even, yeah. even if it wasn't intimidating and, you know, you know like bailiffs are always um, presented as being intimidating, but just sending anyone around, even the nicest person, is, is a bit weird. So let alone a, you know, company like the Pinkertons. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. Just send a letter, ask for it to you know be removed or whatever it may be, or items to be returned. If then there is still no response, fair enough. And then on top of this, it seems that there's lots of connections between Wizards and this Pinkerton company. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It seems a bit odd. It does. Um, the article does state that the Wizards did try to reach out to Dan a few times by phone. But since he's an internet presence... Why not email him or something or like message him on his YouTube yeah. channel that you knew about? There there seems to be multiple ways to maybe reach out to him and go, hey, you've got some product a little bit early yeah. ahead of time. Can we get it back, please? It will compensate you, of course. There are much nicer ways to handle this. Just comment on the video or something. Yeah, anything. <laughs> it is bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. So I, I yeah. don't know how, why they got it to this point. It's really strange. Anyway, Oliver, let's go up the ladder and talk about the parent company of Wizards, Hasbro. Yes, Hasbro, who are owner of Wizards of the Coast, among other companies and many well-known brands. And Mattel, a leading global toy company, announced on 24th of April 2023 that they have entered into multi-year licensing agreements to create co-branded toys and games from some of their most popular brands. While Hasbro will create Barbie-branded Monopoly games, Mattel will produce Transformers-branded Uno games. According to Sirkana, a US-based marketing research company, Barbie, Hot Wheels, Uno, and Monopoly are the top-selling brands globally in their respective categories. Nick Karamanos, Senior Vice President of Entertainment Partnerships at Mattel, said, We are excited to pair some of the most popular brands together for the first time. This collaboration features world-class IP, celebrates the timeless appeal of these brands, and creates unique play opportunities for fans. Casey Collins, President, Global Licensed Consumer Products and Business Development, added, With the major theatrical releases of the Transformers and Barbie movies in summer 2023, we're excited to bring brand new play experiences to fans, families, and movie and toy lovers all around the world. Working with iconic brands and pop culture truly showcases our strategy in action as we continue to expand our product experiences for audiences everywhere. So there we have it. Two giants combined like uh, Transformers themselves. So... Here is the usual, yet another Monopoly, this time with Barbie branded. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm sure there'll be a Monopoly Game of Life Barbie style thing. I don't know. And then, yeah, Transformers, Uno games. Sure, you know, why not? It all fits together. So, yeah, it's just, you know, making, taking advantage of the IPs, working together and making more money by the sounds of it. Yeah, it feels to me like they're maybe just scratching the surface with some simple things like 
new themes of Monopoly, new themes of Uno, and then maybe we'll see something a bit more grandiose down the line as the companies work out how to how to work together, how to bring their IPs together. And uh, a side note, I'm kind of interested in the new Barbie film coming out. Its trailers look very strange. Do they? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> something to watch out for. Well, Indeed. sounds like Hasbro is making lots of money. Ian, I think you've got some more information. Yeah, sort of is the answer to that one. Uh, yeah, we're going to stick with Hasbro for just a moment, as the company has recently released its financial performance for quarter one of 2023. Their revenues in the first quarter were $1 billion, a 14% decline year on year. This beat analysts' predictions of where the company would be sitting at this time. Magically Gathering revenue increased 16% year over year, and this was an increase to $229.1 million from $197.2 million in the previous year. The total gaming category was up 2% to $386.5 million from 378.8. Wizards of the Coast and the digital gaming segment of the company had increased revenues of 12%. Tabletop gaming revenue in this part of the company increased 13%, and they note that Underlying demand for Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons remains robust. Hasbro are predicting mid-single-digit growth for the full year of 2023 in this segment of the company. Chris Cox, CEO of Hasbro, said, First quarter results came in ahead of our expectations and positioned Hasbro to meet our full-year financial targets. Wizards of the Coast and Digital Gaming delivered strong fan engagement. Segment revenues increased 12%, including a 16% revenue increase in Magic the Gathering, behind the successful release of Phyrexia All Will Be One. Dungeons Dragons Honor Among Thieves delivered strong critical and audience reviews, pointing to a promising long life, including home entertainment and streaming, while also introducing our newest franchise brand to tens of millions of new fans around the world, and positioning Dungeons and Dragons for robust full-year growth. We've made significant progress in implementing our Blueprint 2.0 strategy, including heightening our focus on high-growth, high-profit categories, improving our cost structure, and adding talented executives to our leadership team. The sale process for the E1 TV and film assets is ongoing, and we expect to provide an update during the second quarter. The global Hasbro team continues to execute our strategy to unblock the value of our rich IP library, across our growth priorities, including in gaming, direct-to-consumer, and licensing. Cox also noted that the collaborations that Magic has seen with other properties like Warhammer are doing very well, and that the Lord of the Rings set that is forthcoming is seeing strong pre-order sales. Hasbro shares jumped 12% on the announcement of their results. Well, it seems that Wizards, Magic the Gathering, and Dungeons & Dragons continue to prove cash cows for Hasbro, whereas the rest of the company has had a bit of a downturn. Mm. Hasbro shares did jump on the announcement, so it seems overall investors are kind of happy, and they are no doubt really happy to see the reception of the Dungeons and Dragons film, which I haven't been to see yet. I don't know about you, Oliver. Yeah, I've seen it, and oh, I right, really good. quite enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's, it cool. doesn't take itself too seriously, so that's quite nice to see. I was expecting a really serious Dungeons and Dragons, you know, film, but no, it's just lots of laughter, lots of fun, bit of a nod to the original animated version. And yeah, really enjoyable. But yeah, as you say, it's just nice to see that the market responded positively, but it also shows that I think Hasbro has a lot of pressure to make Wizards, MTG and D&D work really hard to make more money or improve the other segments or sell them off in the case of E1, um, except that E1 obviously, I think, was the company behind the Dungeons & Dragons film. So that's probably why they've hung on to it for a bit longer. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know if Elon were behind the film as such. They were going to be like doing TV bits and pieces, but yeah, that Hasbro has eventually sold them on. There's a bunch of other detail in the report that we'll share in the show notes, and you can dig into that yourselves if you want, folks. It's all quite dry, but those were the sort of highlights that we picked out that were relevant to the sort of tabletop gaming we discuss. Well, next are the updates. We've reported many times on the RPG personality Zach Sabbath and the accusations around his behavior and subsequent lawsuits. There was a recent lawsuit involving Cam Banks, best known for his work on Cortex System RPG. We don't know the details of the lawsuit, but this was posted to Cam's Twitter on 13th of April. Apology. Over the last decade, I've made tweets referring to Zach Smith. In these tweets, I went beyond ordinary or honest criticism and referred to other allegations of criminal or abusive behavior against Zach that have not been proved. I accept that I don't have any personal knowledge of any allegations I've referred to regarding Smith, and it was a mistake to refer to any serious allegations against him as if they had been proved. Everyone has a right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. I am sorry for the effect that these tweets have had on Zach and his professional reputation. I'm admitting this because Mr. Smith sued me. After two years, I found no proof he did anything wrong, online or off. I have paid Mr. Smith a cash settlement with uh, Cam's signature and the date at the end. And Zach Smith, he refers to in there, is Zach Sabbath. There was an outpouring of support for Cam across the tabletop industry, and a fundraiser was started to help with legal costs that we will link to in the show notes. There will also be a link to an article detailing the history of Zach Smith's lawsuit. After reporting on the shutdown of publisher Andrews McNeil in episode 116, we are happy to report that Green Ronan Publishing announced on the 21st of April 2023 that they signed an agreement to publish Cypherco's Into the Motherlands role-playing game. The game began as a critically acclaimed streaming show in 2020, followed by a $360,000 Kickstarter to bring an Afrofuturist vision to the tabletop. The game takes place on Vatoa, a distant world settled by survivors of fictional African emperor Mansa Munza's expedition that left Earth a thousand years ago. Players will learn about the diverse cultures of their world, see what terrifying enemies await them, and find out if they can continue to survive on their adopted homeworld. Green Ronan President Chris Pramas said, We're delighted to work with Tanya DePass and B. Dave Walters. They've created something special with Into the Motherlands. Cypherco's Tanya DePass added, Green Ronin is supporting us by bringing the game to new players, retailers, and more. Our Kickstarter backers will get the game first, but then it will have a wider release. The IP, world, actual play, and all properties are cruise creations, but everyone's to enjoy. We're ecstatic to work with Green Ronin, a legendary publisher to bring the game to backers, players, and storytellers. Pramus clarifies that Green Ronin's role is merely to publish the game and get it into book and game stores, as well as other retail channels. The game itself is person of colour, created and owned, and Green Ronin's goal is to help the game reach the widest possible audience. More information and previews of Into the Motherlands will be announced in the coming months. Well, it's great to see that game becoming a reality after the problems we reported on previously. It's especially exciting to see a game that's created and owned by people of colour. We need a lot more diversity in our hobby. We've said that multiple times in this cast. And this is just one more step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see. I know very little about this, but by the sounds of it, this is a real big step forward. And I guess certainly the Kickstarter backers will be happy that this is actually becoming a reality now. Yeah. 
And yeah, just in yet another game. Uh, well, I say yet another game, but another game um, that's created by people of color and, and owned by them as well. It's great to see that we have that coming more into the hobby. So yeah, yeah. nice. I'll be checking that one out myself, I think. And talking about Kickstarters, Oliver. Yes, in episode 116, we touched on the late delivery of the Kickstarter Chai T42 from Steep Games. It seems this company may be in more trouble than we thought. A recent update to the company's status on the official Canadian government website has put the company into involuntary dissolution. This happened as the company has not filed tax returns for the last three years, which is, as far as we can tell, the entire time the company has been incorporated. This means the company is no longer a corporation, but doesn't necessarily mean it is going out of business. Backers on the Kickstarter have not been informed officially, though Dave Chapman, the community manager for the company, is still replying best he can. Dave has implied he might not be doing that for much longer if the company is going out of business. Now, first of all, we obviously don't know what the legal implications are in Canadian law. I guess in the UK, if a company doesn't file reports, something similar happens, but we don't know how that affects the directors of the company, whether it be struck off the register or, or what happens. All we know is, obviously, nothing has been filed for three years, and that's obviously quite serious. And if yeah, that's the length of the company existing, then that might have some implications of you know the intentions of the directors of the company. So we don't know. I mean, it's all, all interpretation uh, this end. But, of course, we hope that this game might get rescued, maybe by Nailer Games, like they have <laughs> with ITV. We never know. But, yeah, it doesn't look good. And um, hopefully all the content creators that, uh, you know, were so in favor of these games might be highlighting like, issues like this, that, you know, yeah, Kickstarters are great and doing previews. And I've done a video, actually. I've done an unboxing of Chai T for two. I'm, I'm just as guilty. I've been sent a copy by them and, you know, I've met them in person. They're lovely people. But, yeah, you don't know what happens behind the scenes and things go wrong and here we are. Um, things don't get delivered. So, yeah, what can I say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just a our regular reminder that Kickstarter is not a store and the, your money is at risk effectively when you back a Kickstarter, even with a company that has successfully delivered a couple of Kickstarters before then. There are never any guarantees with Kickstarter. Now let's get on to the rest of the news. Renegade Games, publishers of Power Rangers, G.I. Joe and Transformer set RPGs, amongst many other games, has appointed a new VP of Sales. Andrew Lupp joins a team with over 20 years of sales experience, most recently with PSI Distribution. Lupp said... As a gamer and an industry professional, my family and I have always loved Renegade Games and the joy they bring to so many people around the world. It was 20 years ago when I first met Scott, and since that time, I've worked with him and his staff in multiple capacities in the game industry. I'm so happy that we've been brought together again. In a way, it feels a bit like coming home. The folks at Renegade are amazing with a real talent for producing quality entertainment and I consider myself so lucky to be among them. President Scott Gator said of the hire, We are all thrilled for Andy to join us here at Renegade. Andy is a long-time gamer with decades of sales experience in our industry. He has a passion for gaming and a desire to bring new players to the table. We know he's going to be a great fit for Renegade and all its partners as well. Congratulations on the new position, Andrew. Yeah, congratulations. And now it's a bunch of award stuff, starting with the Diana Jones. 
Yeah, the Diana Jones Award is one of the stranger and more interesting accolades that the tabletop hobby gives out. The main award is for excellence in gaming that's given out each year during a ceremony at Gen Con in the United States. Since 2021, the award has expanded with an emerging designers program, highlighting up-and-coming voices in game design. The program specifically focuses on marginalized voices, and the winner gets an all-expenses-paid trip to Gen Con. The awards have just announced their nominees for this year. Alison Saib, Anthony Joyce Rivera, Bashir Gauss, Aaron Roberts, Kayla Dice, Mary Georgescu, Sepp Pines, and Sen HHS. Congratulations to all the nominees, and you can read more about their work on the Diana Jones Award website that we'll link to in the show notes. So, yes, Diana Jones Awards. I mean, I've, I've been keeping an eye on it recently. I have actually, must say, missed it a bit this year, so it's nice to see that the nominees are out. I have to have a closer look. But there's always been very interesting games that have been highlighted through the Diana Jones Awards and, you know, interesting designers and as it says, obviously highlighting up and coming voices. So it's it's great to see. Yeah, and as we said in that piece there, Dan Jones Award doesn't just it rewards excellence in gaming. That's that's its point. So it's done all sorts of things. It's awarded Gen Con, if I remember rightly, in the past. It's awarded events, designers, particular games. It's a really interesting and diverse award. Yeah, we really really like the Dan Jones Award. So yeah, again, congratulations to all nominees. Now, Ian, on to another set of awards. Yes, indeed. Mensa is an internationally recognized organization where you can compare your quantifiable intelligence against the rest of the world. Whether you put faith in IQ tests or not, the organization is an advocate for games that they think are original in concept, challenging and well-designed. Every year, they choose five games to draw attention to and give the coveted Mensa Select Award. The winners for 2023 have been announced, and they are... Trekking Through History, designed by Charlie Bink and published by Underdog Games. Millafori, designed by Rainer Knizia and published by Schmidt Spiel. Gartenbau, designed by David Abelson and Alex Johns and published by 25th Century Games. Acropolis, designed by Jules Massoud and published by Gigamic. And Boop, designed by Scott Brady and published by Smirk and Laughter Games. Now, Boop also won an award in the American Tabletop Awards recently. Again, congratulations. Yeah, a nice selection of um, games there. I do like the Mensa Men's Awards a little bit because it's an organization coming from outside of tabletop gaming, looking at tabletop gaming in a different way. And it yeah. did say in the piece that, that I read that one of their one of the things they look at is also like the sort of affordability of the game. How much sort of bang for your buck do you get out of that game as well? Okay, so like, yeah, yeah. They also look at a sort of value for money proposition yeah. in the game as well, which is great. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good selection there. And yeah, as we said, congratulations yeah. to the winners. I'll ha- really have to try Boop. I've seen it on a couple, two or three awards lists now. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and it looks adorable as well. It does. And finally, we've got another award, the Golden Geeks. Every year, the behemoth that is board game geek gives out the Golden Geek Awards, a community voted on set of awards. The awards have entered the final stage with several nominations per category for everyone to choose from. If you want your chance to vote on your favorite games, podcasts, and apps, do it soon. The deadline is May the 7th. And of course, everyone present here, we, we haven't been nominated for best podcast, so we're mm. highly disappointed. And 
we will not enter the Golden Geeks ever again. No, definitely. Vote for us next year. So there we go. <laughs> Quick plug there. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations to all the nominees. And we can't wait to see who's actually winning in the various categories. There's some interesting games that yeah, um, I've seen on the list. So we'll see. now a little break for some jobs opportunities and events there is a new event coming up in edinburgh uh, it's on the 2nd of december 2023 it's the tabletop and graphic storytelling festival or tags which will host 40 to 50 independent creators with an emphasis on lifting up marginalized voices the day will celebrate collaborative and visual storytelling in its many forms such as comics rpgs board games and zines yeah sounds like an interesting little day i will try and get along to that one myself and write up a little report for the blog Nice. And we came across a Facebook group called Tabletop Jobs. I had known about it before, but we keep forgetting to mention it on the cast. We're going to put it in the show notes uh, for all the casts going forward. And if you want to sort of like get really up to date jobs information uh, of Tabletop Game Jobs, mostly US, but there are some UK in there as well, then uh, do go and check that page out. Well, that leaves us with our Patreon shoutouts. So as always, we'd like to thank everyone who's supporting us uh, in any way, but obviously financially especially, and particularly we'd like to shout out to James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman from Game A Lot. If you do want to support us as well, you can do that via Patreon, patreon.com slash thegiantbrain, or have a look on our support us page at giantbrain.co.dk slash support hyphen us hyphen new. And of course, if you want to get yourself some lovely metallic dice from Metallic Dice Games, enter promo code ROLLWITHBRAINS, all one word, at metallicdicegames.com and get yourself a little discount and, well, give us a little bit of uh, money as well. And in the same way, if you want a nice T-shirt or hoodie, I don't know actually, actually what is in this collection, but certainly on Sir Meeple, have a look. SirMeeple.com slash collection slash the hyphen giant hyphen brain and you'll see there some nice merchandise. And if you get yourself something, we get a little decent cut out of that as well. Yes, indeed we do. And uh, a little bit of Pokemon news to lead us out on the show. Yes, I have the pleasure of uh, talking about Pokemon. On the 14th of April, the Pokemon company released a new expansion pack for the trading card game. The release had two distinct packs in it called Clayburst and Snow Hazard each having very rare cards in them that collectors have been going wild over. The new craze for the game has led to the Pokemon company taking to the official Japanese website to say that all product for the same game was sold out. They said, We will continue to do our best so that everyone can enjoy the Pokemon card game. It's unclear at this time when the situation will calm down and cards will be more readily available, but the company has promised to boost production. So there we go, Pokemon craze going even crazier. Um, yeah, so even big companies uh, have problems with distribution and production and manufacturing. Um, it's one of those things. It yep. doesn't just affect the smaller Kickstarters or self-publishers, but even giant companies. So yeah, if you want to get a special Pokemon pack, uh, you're out of luck at the moment by the sound of it. Yeah, unless you're this guy, you, you, there's a different way to get Pokemon. Pokemon has once more found its way into the world of crime. A picture was posted to a popular Pokemon Facebook group of a table stacked high with hit cards from the Fusion Strike Pokemon set, which was originally released in 2021. 
These are rare cards, so the possibility of a collector having multiple thousands of copies, as were shown in the photo, seemed very remote. A company called Trading Card World in Dallas had been contacted by the person who had these cards, and Trading Card World informed them that this must either be a bunch of fakes or stolen due to the sheer number of cards present. The potential seller then revealed that they had worked for a Pokemon card printing company, and Trading Card World contacted the Pokemon company, saying, would you like to look into this? Things have escalated somewhat, and the cards were recovered, and law enforcement is now involved. The Pokemon company provided a statement to PC Gamer who reported this story, saying, We take the protection of our IP and associated products very seriously. This matter remains under investigation and we cannot comment on details at this time. However, we can confirm that Sword and Shield booster packs and products were shipped to retail as intended, and we have no indication that the integrity of the products were impacted by any confirmed or unconfirmed theft. Furthermore, we continue to significantly invest in both the production and security of our TCG business. We value the faith our fans put in us and our products, and these investments are intended to help us continue to maintain their trust. Now, interestingly, this relates to a conspiracy theory in the Pokemon community. I went around about the time the Fusion Strike set was out. Folk were convinced that the set had an artificially low pull rate for rares, and it seems now that they may have been actually correct if this person is stealing cards direct off the line. There we go. <laughs> there you go. A very, very stupid thief there. Yes. Next time, be a bit clever about it. But there we go. Yeah. Sell them one at a time on eBay or something. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't post a picture of thousands of them on your yeah. table, in, yeah, in your kitchen table or whatever. In very good condition. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, folks, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow Oliver at tabletopgamesblog.com and you can follow The Giant Brain on Twitter. We're at The Giant Brain. Instagram, we're Giant Brain UK. Facebook, The Giant Brain. You are welcome to join our community on our Discord. We'll put an invite in the show notes. Our website, where you'll find all the casts and articles by myself, are at giantbrain.co.uk. And you can email us about anything you'd like us to cover on the show or any comments you've got on any of the stories we've covered on this one at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Bye.